Good morning, everyone. So good to see you this morning. For those online, I can't see you, but it's great to have you. I'm glad you're tuning in this morning here to listen to the message. Um, just as we go into the service this morning, why don't you stand as we sing to God? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. To see you high and lifted up Shining in the light of your glory Pour out your power and love As we sing holy, holy, holy and Open the eyes of my heart, Lord Open the eyes of my heart I want to see you I want to see you. Open the eyes, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. To see you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy To see you high and lifted up Shining in the light of your glory Pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy And holy, holy, holy Holy, 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 I want to see you. And holy, 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 I want to see you. To see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power in love as we sing holy, holy, holy. To see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power in love. As we sing holy, holy, holy Sing holy, holy, holy Holy, holy, holy Holy, holy, holy I want to see you Holy, holy, holy Holy, 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 I want to see you. 
Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. And come all you sinners, come find his mercy, come to the table he will satisfy. Taste of his goodness, find what you're looking for. For God so loved the world that he gave us, his one and only Son to save us. Whoever believes in him will live forever. And bring all your failures, bring your addictions, Come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting there with open arms. For God so loved the world that he gave us, his one and only son to save us. Whoever believes in him will live forever. The power of hell forever defeated, now it is well, I'm walking in freedom for God so loved, oh God so loved the world. Praise God, praise God, from whom all blessings flow, praise Him, praise Him. For the wonders of His love And praise God, praise God From whom all blessings flow Praise Him, praise Him For the wonders of His love For God so loved the world that He gave us His one and only Son to save For God so loved The world that He gave us His one and only Son to save us Whoever believes in Him Will live forever The power of hell Forever defeated Now it is well I'm walking in freedom For God so loved Oh God, so love the world. For God so love, oh God, so love the world. Amen. Thank you. Won't you say hi? Wave at somebody before you're seated this morning. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, good morning. How are you? Great to see you. And, uh, Glad that you're here this morning. We just want to extend a very warm welcome to you, tell you that we're glad that you're here. Everybody is welcome here, and we're glad that you're here, and we hope that you feel welcome. And uh, for those of you who are joining us on the live stream, we welcome you too, and we're glad that you could join us. If this is your first time uh, here at Evangel in person, uh, we would just like to offer an opportunity for us to be able to come alongside you and help you or assist you in any way that we can, support you, and... uh, 
the way that we've chosen to make that connection is to ask you to fill out the connection card. You'll see a card in the pocket in the chair in front of you if you'd fill that out. And then at the end of the service, you can take it to the foyer, and there's an information desk there, and someone will be there. You can hand it in. There's a small gift there for you, and uh, we, can, we can follow up and connect with you as, uh, as best suits you. So just, we just want to be able to do that, and so we're just so delighted you're here. We just want to connect with you. Just one announcement this morning, just want to remind you that next Sunday will be our fall barbecue, and uh, we haven't been able to do this for a while, and uh, we're happy to be able to, to uh, plan to do that again. So next Sunday, we're, we're planning for that. It'll be right after the service on Sunday morning. It'll be here uh, at Evangel, and uh, there'll be something for all ages, and we just uh, want to invite you to come, bring your family, bring your friends, bring your neighbors, bring your enemies, bring... Anybody uh, that you, that you want to bring, we just would love to see you and have you be a part of that. You're all very, very welcome. Kids, JK to grade five, you are free to go with your leaders this morning. And ushers, I uh, want to invite you to uh, come as we receive our morning tithes and offerings today. If you want to give electronically, uh, you can uh, do that by sending it to giving at epcoakville.com, and uh, that'll work just as well. Thank you. God bless you. You're so good to 
I am blessed, I am called, I am healed, I am whole, I am saved in Jesus' name. Highly favored, anointed, filled with your power for the glory of Jesus' name. I am blessed. I am called, I am healed, I am whole, I am saved in Jesus' name. Highly favored, anointed, filled with your power for the glory of Jesus' name. Should this life bring suffering, Lord, I will remember what Calvary has bought for me, both now and forever. And you are find my rest 
God, thank you for this morning, Lord. Thank you that, that we are able to gather together as, as your people to worship you, God. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that is working in us and through us every day. Thank you that you reside in our hearts, God. God, I pray that this morning that, that our hearts would be open to you. That whatever it is that, that you would like to speak to us, God, this morning, through the worship, through the message, God, would you just have your way? And so I pray for, for the continuation of this morning, the rest of this service, God. Would you continue to work just in this place, God? As Pastor Shannon comes up and, and shares the message, God, would it be your message through him that is being spoken? And so, God, thank you again for, for everyone that's here that's, that's able to, to be here in person and who's able to watch online. Would you be with each and every one of us as we come this morning just as we are. That you would, you would have your way in our lives and in our hearts this morning, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is found in 1 Samuel verse, uh, chapter 17. We're going to be reading verses 40 to 44 and 48 to 50. It says, Then he, David, took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield-bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. And he said to David, "'Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks?' And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I will give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, Andrew, and thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning. Not just leading us in songs, but leading us with a sensitivity of heart and a recognition of God's presence and uh, the work of His Spirit here. Mark Twain, in his book, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, tells the story of a Sunday school contest that Tom entered into. The children were given a ticket for every Bible verse that they could memorize. The person with the most tickets would win a new Bible. Tom, flushed with cash from the fence whitewashing incident, used his proceeds to buy tickets from the other children. About 2,000 tickets in total. Tom claimed the award even though he hadn't memorized any 
of the Bible verses. Tom was then introduced to Judge Thatcher, who asked him to name the first two apostles. Tom, of course, lacking in knowledge of Scripture, blurted out, David and Goliath. Because those two characters and that story is one of the most commonly known stories from the Bible. And so today we are continuing our fall, uh, sorry, sermon series, which we've entitled Heart for God, based on the life of King David, who is referred to in Scripture as a man after God's own heart. And so today we're going to be considering a very familiar story, familiar to many, of David and Goliath, and we will be reminded today that those who have a heart for God put their trust in Him when facing intimidating circumstances. Those who have a heart for God put their trust in Him when they're facing intimidating circumstances. Now, the chapter that contains this story, and the reason I only selected a few verses to read today, is that this chapter is 58 verses long. It's a really long chapter, yet only three verses cover the actual battle itself. So it's, it's 58 verses and only three cover the battle. And the author goes to great lengths to provide us with 50, 55 additional verses to help us grasp the full context of what is happening here. Specifically, we can see when we look closely that this chapter is actually a continuation of the previous chapter, chapter 16 that we looked at last week, where David is selected as the future king of Israel because he has a heart for God. And as we look through this, we can see the continuing themes. We see the continuing theme of outward appearances. We see the continuing theme of what it means to have a heart for God. And also, we see a continuing theme of David's approval by God above Saul and even his brothers, who are also named again in this chapter. And so today I want to kind of go about this maybe a little different than, than maybe I ever have before because within this chapter, the author actually contrasts a variety of champions. There's a number of champions that exist in this chapter, but there's only one champion that has a heart for God, and that's where we'll end up today. So we're going to begin with the uh, Philistine champion. The setting of the story is Israel at war with one of their most common enemies, the Philistines. There are two hills on either side of a valley, and the Israelites are camped on one hill, and the Philistines are camped on the other. And so each day, the, uh, they would descend down to the edge of the valley on their respective sides, and they would form a line for warfare. Each and every day, they would do that. Now, although this was common practice for warfare at this time, there was something unique about this particular battle. The Philistines had an intimidating warrior, and they were inviting Israel into what was known as representation warfare, where one person from each side was selected, they would fight each other, and the outcome of that battle would determine the victory for their whole nation. Goliath was their champion. 
And the author provides great detail so we can understand how incredibly intimidating this champion of the Philistines was. And the author focuses on three areas, his stature, his resources, and his experience. In terms of stature, Goliath was a huge man. He's a freak of nature. He's over nine feet tall. In terms of resources, the author provides the longest list of weapons that we find in the Old Testament. His body is covered in scale armor that weighs 125 pounds. His his head, the head of his spear is 15 pounds. The shaft of the spear, we're told, is the size of a weaver's beam. He had a bronze helmet, he had an iron sword, and his shield was so large that it actually was carried by a second person. And so this is the picture of the resources that are painted here. And then, in terms of his experience, we're told that he was a man of war from his youth, a lifelong warrior, a champion fighter who clearly had never lost a fight. And so for 40 days, as the troops squared off on opposite sides of the valley, Goliath would taunt the Israelites for them to send someone out to fight him. The role of the gods played a significant role in warfare at this time. It was a significant focus. And so each group wanted their god on their side to help them to bring about victory. The idols of defeated nations were often taken and put in the shrine of the gods on the winning side. And actually, we see a chapter, an example of that in a few chapters earlier in chapter 5 of 1 Samuel where the ark of God is actually captured by the Philistines. And where do they put it? They put it in the temple of their god, Dagon. And so Goliath represented Dagon. And the loser of this battle would be forced to serve the winning nation and also forced to worship their God. And so there was a lot more at stake here than dying for these Israelite soldiers who were squaring off every day at the edge of the valley. So there was the Philistine champion. Then there was Israel's champion. The Israelite army was trapped. Eventually, they would have to send out their own champion to face this intimidating champion of the Philistines. As we read the chapter, we see that Israel's army was panic-stricken, and they ran away each day when Goliath uttered his threats. And amongst those who ran in fear each day was their king, Saul. In chapter 8, Israel had asked and inquired of God for a king. They wanted a king like all of the other nations, and, and their appeal to God to get their way was this. Our king, if you let us have a king, our king will go out before us and he will fight our battles. That was was their appeal. And so in chapter 9, we we see that God, you know, granted their request and Saul is anointed as king. And there we see some things about Saul. We're told about his stature. We're told in chapter 9 that Saul was taller than all of the people. He was literally, in the language used here, is he was head and shoulders above everybody else. Not as tall as Goliath, but he's a very tall man. In terms of resources, we see in this chapter that Paul's, Saul's armor is also listed as he will eventually try and force it on David. And we're told in that 
process that Saul too had a bronze uh, helmet. He too had body armor and he too had an iron sword. In terms of experience, Saul had previously led his troops into battle and had scored victories. And so looking at the outside, Saul was the natural choice to face Goliath. He was the one that everyone was waiting for to step up and take this intimidating champion on because he was selected by the people, wanted by the people, so he could fight on their behalf. But Saul, like the others, looked at the outward and was intimidated by what he saw and what he heard from Goliath. And like the others, in times of crises, in times of being threatened, he too hid in fear. And the leader who should have led didn't lead because he was afraid. The final champion we see here is God's champion. The context is, is that David's three brothers, the same three that were mentioned in the previous chapter, the three older ones, were serving Saul in Israel's army. Their father, Jesse, wanting to see how they were, wanted to send them some supplies, a care package, called David in from tending the sheep in the fields to make the delivery. So take this to your brothers. Make sure it gets to them. But I want you to find out how they are and find out how the battle is going. And I want you to come back to me with a report. I I want to know how how it's going. And so David took the supplies and off he went. And David arrived at the camp as the troops were forming their line on the edge of the valley in the morning. David arrived just in time for Goliath to engage in his daily taunting and to see the army of Israel, including his three brothers, running away in fear. David heard the men talking about what the reward would be if someone would face and kill Goliath. But of course, this reward was not great enough for anyone to to try and accomplish it because they knew it was just a death sentence. But this piqued David's interest. And word of his interest reached Saul, who then sent for David. And as David came into Saul's presence, he offered to go out and to fight Goliath on Israel's behalf. All this time, for 40 days, all everyone did, including Saul, was cower in fear and run away from the battle line. And here is this young David coming to Saul and saying, I'll do it. I'll do it. And Saul says, you can't do it. Based on what? His stature. He's only a boy. He could not, and we said last week, you know, the word youngest son meant smallest. You're just a boy. You can't overpower this giant of a man. This is a suicide mission. You don't have the resources. You don't have any weapons. You've never owned weapons. You've never used the weapons of warfare. You, 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 can't, you can't do that. And you don't have the experience. You've never served Or fought in a war before? You're just a shepherd boy. I can't send you out there. 
Because once again, we see this theme. Saul is looking on the outside. He's looking on the outside when he looks at Goliath, and he's looking on the outside when he, when he looks at David. And what he saw was a boy without weapons who had never fought in a war. This was certain disaster. But David insisted. He didn't have the physical outward stature to fight the giant because David's stature was internal. David's stature was his heart for God. In fact, when he's talking to the other men and they're afraid and they're discouraged, he's trying to encourage them to not lose what? Heart. Don't lose heart. He didn't have the resources of war, even though Saul loaded him down with all of his armor until David said, listen, I just can't do this. This, is, this doesn't work for me. David's resource would not be the armor. David's resource, he said, I'm going to go, not in your armor, I'm going to go in the name of God. God was David's resource. His heart was his stature, his heart for God. His resource was, was God. David didn't have experience with war, but he did have ex- some experience in protecting his sheep. And recited to Saul a couple of examples of a time, one time when a bear and another time when a lion came to attack his sheep. And with God's help, and David makes that very clear, with God's help, not his resources, not his stature, not his ability, but with God's help, he was able to overpower them. David's experience was the past help of God. And he's trying to let them know, listen, Yahweh has delivered me in the past. Yahweh has shown up and has empowered me to do things beyond my ability to do it in the past, and he will do it again. And so David went out to face Goliath with a shepherd's staff, a bag containing some stones, and a sling. And Goliath saw him coming and mocked him. I think it's interesting that Scripture says, Goliath looked at him and said, wow, you're small and you're handsome. (laughs) Yeah, Goliath just standing there. Wow, what a handsome young man they've sent out. And he saw him and he cursed David. And he cursed them in the name of his gods, his god Dagon. And and he he made this incredible threat. He said, little handsome man, (laughs) I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds and to the beasts. David was unscathed by the threats and responded, and this is why, you have come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the God of Israel. This day the Lord will hand you over And I will strike you down, and it is your carcass that will feed the birds and beasts, and everyone will know that there is a God in Israel. And with that, David reached into his bag, pulled out a stone, put it in the sling, and slung it at Goliath, hitting him in the head and knocking him out. And we're told that Goliath lay face down on the ground. Now, you can't help but see the connection that I referenced earlier in chapter 5 because the rest of that story goes like this. In the morning when the Philistines went into Dagon's temple, they found the statue of Dagon lying on its face with its head broken off and his hands broken off. 
And they returned the ark because they were afraid of it. And so here we have this continuing idea here. Goliath is laying face down on the ground because of the power of God. And David finishes it by cutting off his head. A story that most of us are very familiar with. In terms of application this morning, let me say this. All of us, all of us will face giants in our lives. In fact, from time to time, some of us will face multiple giants at the same time. It may be a life-altering or life-threatening health diagnosis. It may be a marriage that's on the verge of collapse. It may be the loss of a loved one and the process of trying to find your way forward. It could be a mental health crisis in your family. It could be a loss of a job and you're, you're not able to find a new one and things are getting really desperate in your family. It could be dealing with the pain that has been inflicted on us by the behavior of others. And when these things and many other things happen, when we face these intimidating odds, these realities are intimidating for us. They're threatening for us. They make us feel helpless. They make us feel hopeless. They make us feel small. They cause us to be overwhelmed with fear and grief and to feel unprepared and under-equipped to take on and face and overcome such intimidating odds. Last week, we said that trust is central to having a heart for God. And I believe that David, who had a heart for God, established a pattern in his life, certainly here in this chapter, that we can follow, that we can rely on, that we can imitate. Some weeks we'll look at examples that we don't want to follow, rely on, or imitate. But this is one that we can't. When others look at you, they may question whether you are capable of overcoming the giants in your life. And perhaps you yourself feel that you don't have what it takes. Perhaps you feel that, you know, I've overcome a lot of things, but this is the one that will take me down. I've overcome all these things so far, but this one is too much, this one is too big. This is the one that writes the final words. This is the one that you feel you can't come back from. Perhaps you don't have the physical strength to fight this battle. Perhaps you don't have the emotional and the mental strength to find your way through it. But I want to remind all of us today that our spiritual strength can overcome what we lack in our physical and our emotional strength. I want to say that again. Our spiritual strength can overcome what we lack in our physical and our emotional strength. Not relying on our abilities alone, but putting our trust in God. Calling on His name. Leaning into Him. And as we talked about last week, aligning our hearts to His. 
Scripture says this about God. It is not by might or by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The psalmist said, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Those with a heart for God understand trust and know that it is the Spirit of God that brings victory in our lives despite our limitations and our weaknesses because the battle belongs to the Lord and the victory is His. When David stood before Saul to plead his case, he referenced his own personal experience with God. How God intervened on his behalf of God giving him victory in those intimidating and challenging times. It was those moments, those moments that David had experienced in the past that equipped him to have the trust that God would be with him in the present and in the future. He had proven God before. And so this morning, I want to remind us, we have experienced God's faithfulness in our lives in the past. We have experienced that. We have experienced God being strong when we were weak. We have experienced victory when everything seemed lost and helpless and hopeless, not because of our own doing, but because of God's miraculous intervention in our lives. We've had moments of deciding to put our trust in God instead of allowing fear and intimidation to dictate our lives, only to see God do above and beyond what we could have imagined. Sometimes, because we're human, we allow these moments to get lost in the fog of our memories. They just kind of get buried. They get covered over as life goes on. And so I would like to suggest to us today that we need to deliberately meditate on God. We need to set out to, that we are going to, to, to meditate on God, to focus on God, to think on God and what He has done for us in the past. And we need to do that because that is a key to building trust for whatever it is we're facing in the present and whatever it is that's waiting for us around the corner. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, we find the story of how God helped Israel defeat the Philistines. because These battles were going for a very long time. To commemorate the battle and this great victory, Samuel created an altar of sorts and named it Ebenezer. Not Scrooge, just Ebenezer, which means stone of help. Samuel said, we're going to build a stone of help. Well, why would he call it that? Because he said, up to this point, up to this moment right here in time, the Lord has helped us. The Lord has helped us. And so here we will build this stone altar. We will build this Ebenezer as a reminder. This stone altar would become this visible reminder to the people of that great 
moment in time when God intervened on their behalf and brought victory to them. We need Ebenezer's. We need stones of remembrance. We need to dig deep through the fog of our memories and bring to the surface a reminder of those times. Yeah, I remember when God did that to help us not forget what God has done. For some of you, it may be a journal entry that you go back to. My whole life, my wife has told me, you should be keeping a journal. And I just, I'm just not the journaling type. I, I just, I don't know. But sometimes I regret that now. I'll give you that. That's your Christmas gift in advance. I should have listened to you. You were right. I was wrong. But maybe it's a journal entry where you go back five, ten years ago and you read and you go, yeah, I forgot about that. I've forgotten all about that. Wow, that was amazing what God did there. It might be some little token. I'm not talking about erecting idols in your home, but there might be some little token that you go, you know, that little thing on my shelf is a reminder to me of that time when God did that thing. And every time I look at it, I remember that God did that. It might be a picture that hangs on your wall. It may be a poem that you like to recite. It could be many, many things. But what I want to leave with you this morning is that Ebenezer's are important because we tend to forget. We tend to forget. We forget God's past faithfulness. We forget God's past intervention. And these Ebenezer's are a reminder. Yeah, God has been faithful in the past and we can trust him in the present, and we can trust him in the future. I'd like to welcome our worship team, invite them back. Folks, all of us are going to face giants from time to time. Sometimes it's going to be multiple giants at once, and you're going to have moments like I probably have where you say, how much more can there be? Um, a lot. All of us will have those moments. But what this story, a story that's probably more familiar to the world as a whole than almost any story in Scripture, reminds us that those who have a heart for God put their trust in Him when they're facing intimidating circumstances. Would you stand with me this morning? And Andrew is going to lead us. And last week, after a very long time of not being able to provide for you an opportunity, if you want to be prayed with, we're going to, we're going to, we went back to that last week, and we're going to do that again this morning. And as the worship team leads us this morning, if you would like someone to pray with you, I'm just going to come down here, and uh, if you would like someone to pray with you, I'm going to pray with you this morning before we conclude this service. Andrew, I'll hand it over to you. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I move. I will follow you. Whom you love, I'll love. How you serve, I'll serve. 
If this life I lose, I will follow you. And all your ways are good, all your ways are sure. I will trust in you alone, higher than my sight. High above my life, I will trust in you alone. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow you. I'll love how you serve, I'll serve. If this life I lose, I will follow you. I will follow you. Light into the world, light into my life. I will live for you alone. You're the one I seek. Knowing I will find all I need in you alone, in you alone. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow you. Who you love, I'll love. How you serve, I'll serve. In this life, I lose. I'll follow you. I'll follow you. In you, there's life everlasting. In you, there's freedom for my soul. In you, there's joy unending joy. I will follow where you go. I'll go where you stay. I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow you, whom you love. I'll love how you serve. I'll serve. If this life I lose, oh, I will follow you where you go. I'll go where you stay. I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I'll follow you. Whom you love, I'll love. How you serve, I'll serve. If this life I lose, I'll follow you. Follow you. I'll follow you. I'll follow. go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I'll follow you. Whom you love, I'll love. How you serve, I'll serve. If this life I lose, I'll follow you. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I'll follow you. 
Whom you love, I'll love How you serve, I'll serve If this life I lose Oh, I will follow you We're going to go to prayer this morning. We have a couple of prayer requests that we want to bring to your attention today. I want to bring a praise report to you. All through the last number of months, we've been praying for, for Gina Cree, and uh, Gina had cancer and had surgery and went through chemo treatments, and uh, just wanted to circle back and just let you know as a congregation, she's had follow-up from all of that, and the doctor has declared that she is now cancer-free and uh, is doing really well, so taking some time to allow her immune system to build back up before coming in to groups of people, but we'll, uh, we're just so grateful for that. Also praying, uh, we've been praying for, for Edith Sauce for a while, and Edith was admitted to hospital this week. She's there currently, and uh, a lot of pain and just uh, uh, really, uh, really, really struggling, so we need to pray for her. Also uh, this week, Jack Mode was admitted to uh, the hospital as well. So we're praying for Jack. And there are a number of others that we're praying for as well. So as we conclude the service this morning, can we as a, as a church family pray for those who have been among us for, for longer than some of us have even been here and uh, uh, just asking God to intervene. So Father, this morning we come before you. We begin with thanksgiving and gratitude for what you've done in Gina's life. We thank you, Lord, that you were with her and her family through that... Uh, just very challenging ordeal, and Lord, to come out the other side and be told that uh, to be cancer-free and just to have that hope and future, and God, we just give you the glory, and we thank you for it, and we pray that you continue to work in her life and keep her healthy and strong. We pray for Edith today, and we pray, Lord, as she's in the hospital, we pray that you would take her pain and discomfort. I pray that they'll be able to treat her and help her as best she can. I thank you, uh, you Lord, for her attitude towards you, her her kindness, her loyalty to you, her love for God, her love for her church. And Lord, even as she said to me this week in the hospital, I won't be there this Sunday. Lord, I just pray that your presence would just be so real with her in that room and that she would just know without question that you're right there with her. For Jack as well, God, as he's in that hospital, would you continue to heal his body and strengthen him, Lord? Father, there are so many. We pray for Milt today and, and Cammy and Phil and Phil's dad. And like there's just so many, Lord, that we, that we just ask you to continue to work in their lives. And there are others who are represented here this morning, Lord, and they're carrying the burden of an unspoken request. But Lord, you know their heart and you know their challenge. And I pray that you would remind them today, all of us, that the God who has been faithful, the God who is faithful, will continue to be faithful and be our hope and our strength, and we thank you for that. And Father, as we leave this place today, may we leave with a sense of hope, may we leave with a sense of determination to live out your kingdom, to love those around us, to share the love and good news that have changed our lives to the core as we see you work in and through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today.